Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Falcons lose and Detroit wins. For anyone who needs further evidence of our crap previews, look no further. First, ugly calls all around the NFL as games are decided by crap referees. Second, hashtag Jets to the playoffs. Third, most 4-0 slash 5-0 teams record their first loss in a relatively surprising manner. Welcome to the 4th and 5 NFL Podcast. I'm your American host, Dylan Baker, with the journalist and analyst, Jonathan Harding, who I have the pleasure of podcasting with. What I would like to say is every week, but in all reality, we missed last week. So, many apologies for that from the get-go. So, each week we take a look at all the happenings in the National Football League and bring you the highlights from around the country. On and off the pitch, we'll keep you informed and entertained. So, Turn off your live TVs with all those videos and people who are paid to do this sort of thing, and let's get started. John, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing great. We've won, uh, which was a bit of a surprise. <laughs> yeah, same here to a certain extent. But um, yeah, it was, a, it was a good week, and as you said, some some surprises in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I missed you last week, that's for sure. Oh, well, it was like a... A hole in my side. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It got to the Thursday night games, and I just I sat down with my notepad, and I was just thinking, I haven't talked to John this week. I mean, if you did it in that voice, then you struck exactly the emotion I was struggling with. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, at the very least, now we're back. Uh, and let's go ahead and start with some of the big games, some of the big scores of the week. Uh, the first one I want to talk about, John, is the uh, Detroit Lions finally record their first win over the Chicago Bears. I can't say I'm surprised, but at the same time, I'm surprised. A 37-34 late-game winner uh, off of a game-winning field goal. Uh, I mean, what a game for two crap teams. They, You know, both offenses look electric. Uh, you know, you're, you're looking at a Detroit Lions team, like I said, uh, that records their first win how impressed were you uh, with the Lions going into it? Was it more a def- Was it more def- by default the crap Bears defense, or did they really string together a good game? Well, to be fair, you know the game went to overtime, so it was ridiculous that the Lions really put themselves in this position. Um, I don't understand that. Obviously, your family must be grieving a little bit. <laughs> grieving desperately. They had many things to say about that game, which we'll get to in a minute, so continue on. I mean, the fact that the Lions let Chicago score 18 points in the fourth quarter kind of worries me uh, from a Detroit perspective, but that's probably why they were 0-5 going into the into the game. 
from a Detroit perspective, I thought Matt Stafford was a bit hot and cold, but at the end of the day, he throws for 400 yards and four touchdowns. So you can't really criticize him too much. Um, I think he got it together when it mattered. The biggest thing for me was Calvin Johnson. Uh, there were a couple of plays where we finally saw him play like we're sort of used to playing him. It's funny, like, first three catches of the game, it was like Calvin Johnson, three catches, 90 yards. So, okay. So he's your, he's back to being your big play wide out. And well, and the, the the big one there at the end that set up the field goal, something like a 50, 55 yard catch, I think it was. Yeah, 57. But he, yeah, exactly. And it, it was monstrous. The guy just goes up and it's funny, like he catches the ball, he just nods his head. He's like, yep. You know, and hello, I'm Calvin. I did what I'm supposed to do. Hello. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But he hasn't been doing that very much lately. So the fact that he's there, got to mention Lance Moore. Great support from him. Also five reception, well, one less reception, one fewer reception, I should say, and still 100 yards. So mm-hmm. if you have two wide receivers offering you 100 yards each or 166 in Calvin's case, then you put yourself in a great position. Um, on the running side of the ball, they weren't that strong. Amir Abdullah only went for 48 or 14. So you have to say it was a throwing, it was a passing performance from, from Detroit, but to be honest, it should never have been this close. So that's the concern, that they actually nearly came close to losing to the Bears, which in itself is a worry. Um, and they needed an overtime field goal to do it. Yeah, it is definitely worrisome. And it's one of those things where, you know, the Bears look a stronger team, especially on the offensive side of the ball, when Alshon Jeffrey is back in, is back into the starting 11. But at the same time, you know, it wasn't until that fourth quarter run, the Bears really looked like that they were going to swing it. Um, so I guess, on both sides, you know, especially since the Bears lost Brandon Mar- Marshall in the offseason, uh, you've got this connection uh, that was there last season with Alshon Jeffrey is clearly there based on this game with Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, for the other team, you know, Matt Stafford has clearly had, uh, you know, a, a big key receiver in Calvin Johnson for a long while. Uh, and for the first uh, several weeks of this season, uh, he, they just didn't seem to be connecting. So I, I guess the question that I have to you on for both of these teams, having just, you know, uh, Stafford finally starts connecting with Johnson, Alshon Jeffrey comes back from injury. How big is it, this singular sort of quarterback receiver pairing, how big is it for both teams to, to getting, not even necessarily to the playoffs, but to a 500, you know, season? I think it was the reason that Detroit did get to the playoffs. Was it last year or the year before? I think, I think it was, it was last year, year wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, having that kind of go-to, I mean, we always talk about how teams are always in the need for a big, quick, strong wideout. Um, and if you have one of those, then more often than not, if you're in trouble, you put the ball anywhere near him and he will make the catch. So I think it's huge especially for teams like Detroit and Chicago, who aren't necessarily going to be very successful as a, as a unit, but they need individuals to step up. I mean, see it in other sports. I don't want to make the comparison too much, but can't help but think of Wales. You know, Wales, the soccer team, you know, Gareth Bale is huge for them. You know, it's talking about a relationship between a team and an individual the same way that Calvin Johnson is huge for the Detroit Lions. I think it ultimately makes a difference between, you know, not going to the going to the ball, but, you know, at least getting tickets to the pre-match. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Well, and I guess the other question that I have in this one, and this is the 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 this is the point that I was making earlier with my family is, you know, uh, for a, for a, a quick digression, I get over to my parents' house for the first time. I'm, I, I missed the Bears game. Uh, you know, it was a noon game. I had work. It wasn't on any of the, it wasn't on any of the channels that I was able to get on my iPad. So I missed it. I didn't even know the score. So I show up at my parents' house and they start telling me about the game. Um, and my, my mother makes the comment that she wasn't necessarily 
upset with the refereeing in this game from the standpoint of a Bears fan. She was upset about it from the standpoint of a of a football fan, from an NFL fan, and how how severely one sided it felt just to watch. Uh, you know, I know the I know the big one that's you know it, it's it's already been it's already been brought up in the news. Uh, you know, I I feel like it would be unfair uh, if we didn't bring it up now. The the Golden Tate touchdown. I mean, to to provide an example that exemplifies the entire sixty minutes of play. How how did you personally feel about the refereeing in this game? Specifically, I suppose uh, on on that touchdown call. I mean, I, it, it just seems so obvious that it, it that it wasn't, and and yet it was. It wasn't even necessarily. It was a confirmed ruling. It was overturned. They saw that, and the the the, the head ref goes, "Yeah, that should have been a touchdown." I mean, it seems mind boggling, John. Yeah, it's it's a very tough call. Um... I think the amount of time in which it happens is the biggest problem. You know, they, you watch the slow mo, and it looks—it's it, more—it's harder to call because you're you're not really sure of what's what's happening and the speed at which it's happening. Whether that's a fair reflection of how it actually happened in real time. When you watch it in real time, he appears to lose possession just as quickly as he has it. So you have to say, though, I know Bear's probably a bit bitter about it anyway. From the perspective of my family, just a little. Just a little. <laughs> well, ultimately, it sort of turns the game a bit, you know. So um, with, the number, with the amount of referees in the game today and the amount of, amount of technology that's available to us, I'm not sure you can you can continue to make those kind of mistakes. Um, but the explanation I got afterwards was that he was a runner at the time. He has control of the ball and he's over the plane. That is true for a second at least and if that's the case then it's a touchdown I think it's one of those age old arguments that I know that I know that the the phrase isn't necessarily used as often, uh, you know, in, in NFL colloquialisms as much. But uh, you know, I, it, it comes down to the age old argument: w- what exactly is a, a football move? What exactly is is possession? Yes. And you yes. know, it, and, and I guess just to register my own opinion, it, it seems it seems to me that with as many of the calls that we've had this season, where a guy will catch the ball over the middle, he'll have the opportunity to turn his body take a few steps, and the ball is knocked out, and it's called incomplete, you would think that with as many of those as we've seen, yes, with as many of those as point. you and I have, have been frustrated with, especially with, you know, because uh, it's happened to our teams just like it's happened to everyone's teams. Yeah. Um, you, you would think that it would be simple. Okay, based on precedent, that's not even remotely close to a touchdown. That's at least a second away from a touchdown. Um, yep. But again, That's a very good point. I, I think you make uh, I think you make an excellent point though I, I I believe that was the turning point for the game which was surprising to see uh, but again uh, you know the Lions end up bucking up after that uh, somewhat questionable touchdown uh, and they end up coming up with an overtime win uh, recording their first win of the season I mean you've got to give them credit uh, in, in theory if the if the Johnson partnership uh, with Stafford is is reignited for the season uh, Detroit may not be quite so bad no definitely not they have to hope that it continues from a best perspective it's pretty frustrating to put 18 points on the board from three turnovers and then not win the game well and after two close call uh, you know, last play of the game sort of wins that they that they've had in the previous two weeks. Uh, they'd be equally as frustrated that you know it was even an overtime in in the first place. I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we always talk about the Bears in a sort of a, not in a negative sense, but in a sad sense. Um, and this is just another one of those examples. I'm afraid. 
Agreed, agreed. All right, one of the other games that I definitely want to make sure that we touch on uh, are the New York Jets with a 34-20 win over Washington at home. Um, you know, I've, there, there's a buddy of mine. He, he appears on the uh, United States uh, Liverpool podcast with me for the Anfield Index. Uh, he's also the host of the, uh, of the baseball podcast that they do, 7th Inning Stretch. Uh, he mentioned to me that uh, we need to keep calling the Jets to lose so they keep winning, John. So I think we did well here then. Uh, right, right. And that I think that partially is a sort of jab. I think that's the main reason I added hashtag Jets to the playoffs to our little opening. Um, because it's are, – are you just as surprised as me? I mean, don't get me wrong. The Redskins are garbage. But at the same time, the Jets, especially on offense, are just – they're just so well-rounded. Fitzpatrick – got off without a hitch today. Chris Ivory puts up 140. Uh, I mean, this, dare I say it, truly, the Jets to the playoffs this year. Yeah, I think it's not just a hashtag. I think the reality lives. Um, and that's that's really quite impressive, you know, because you look at a couple of these players and you think sort of discarded from other teams, not necessarily fitting in. And yet they've become a team here. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick didn't didn't really work out in Houston. The guy was, as you say, pretty solid, one pick, but he even rushes in for his own touchdown uh, bravely. Um, and I just was blown away, really. I wasn't expecting them to be great. Yeah, as you say, put it in the context that they were playing the Redskins. Redskins don't really have a defense, so that helps. Don't really have much of anything, to be fair. (laughs) That either. Um, uh, But I I think this whole misfits thing makes sense here. You know, they come together and suddenly they have a sense of purpose. Um, You know, I'm it was the same with the Broncos in 97 and 98 and they're both on the, on the Super Bowl back to back a lot of those players were players that failed elsewhere that were given new life Ryan Fitzpatrick is one Eric Decker didn't really work out in Denver he's, doing, he's contributing here Brandon Marshall labelled as a bit of a punk in Chicago comes to New York seems to be getting it together Chris Ivory no one ever really thought he was going to be great. Now he's playing like an all-pro. So I think everybody is contributing, and that's what's interesting. But And, you know, Darrell Rivas, again, showing that he's still got a lot of life left in him. Um, the, the names could go on. But the point is that they're looking like a serious team. You know, they're 4-1, and one, for goodness sake. I think a lot of teams in the NFL would love that record. Uh, a lot of big teams in the NFL would probably love that record and this sort of topsy turvy season that we've had. Well, uh, and it, it, from from my perspective, it's hard to attribute. You know, uh, like you say, you know, this sort of band of misfits. It's hard to attribute who the leader is because part of me wants to say Fitzpatrick, fear the beard. He's been concise. He's been consistent. But at the same time, you've got Chris Ivory who's dominating the league. Uh, you know, just uh, gone off wonderfully since the beginning of the season. So, you know, uh, you've you've got Darrell Rivas on, on the defensive side of the ball. It's just, it's hard to point out a leader. But at the same time, sometimes for success, you don't necessarily need a leader. You just need, this Jets team feels like a group of, of, of followers who aren't necessarily following a person. They're more following a cause, uh, more along the lines of let's prove that we've still got it kind of deal. Absolutely, and I think the rest of the league should be pretty, pretty worried about that. Um, there will be moments in the season where individuals have to step up, and I think so far Chris Ivory is probably the guy that's done that the most. Uh, being able to have a two-pronged attack on the ground and in the air makes you a way more difficult team to handle. Um, many people said, oh, the Jets will only ever beat Brandon Marshall. Okay. You better reassess that statement now. <laughs> right, right. Well, and I guess the only other point that I that I want to to bring up, other than uh, how good the Jets are, is uh, 
how freaking bad are Washington, man? It's just, it's, it's painful to watch. It is, um, but it's not like they should be this bad. Uh, obviously, the issue is that they don't really have any wideouts. I mean, Pierre Garçon is one guy. Derek Carrier brought him from the Niners, but he's a tight end. There aren't really many targets now. That being said, that puts a lot of pressure on Alfred Morris, but 11 carries for 21 yards, that's that's pretty poor. Um, credit to the Jets' defense, obviously, but still. My issue is the is the quarterback position. Um, how long do you stick with Kirk Cousins? Because it sounds funny and silly, but he threw two two terrible picks, and oh, they were horrendous. They were just horrible. They were really they were like looking down the barrel of the gun, sort of uh, sort of picks. Um, obviously, not having Deshaun, Jack- Deshaun Jackson and John, John Reed makes it makes his job harder. So, as we, on this day, he didn't have very many wider options. His two big names weren't there. But obviously, the the interesting thing was that RG three was active for this game. So, are they going to play him again? Because if they do, it's almost like we're back at the the Redskins circus, you know, one week it's one, one week it's the next. They just need some, some organization and they need a leader. And I think at the moment they're trying to make the best of, uh, they're clutching at straws. Yeah. Well, I mean, even taking a quick look at the, uh, at the depth chart on ESPN, you know, you've got Kirk Cousins and then you've even got Colt McCoy ahead of RG3. Now Play, give Colt McCoy a game. Why not? He wasn't bad for us. No, no. Well, and it, it's one of those things where, you know, if, if you're not going to give, if you're not going to give it to, to RG3, you, I, I think Washington has figured out by now, or at least they should have figured out by now, that they can't give it to Kirk Cousins. So why not? You know, it, it, you, you, you've got to dig yourself out of a hole here. Give give McCoy a shot. Definitely. I would. Go with the Colts. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, one of two remaining perfect record teams, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals in a whopping away win. Uh, over Buffalo, who we've just, we keep on praising John, and it's just, it, they seem to have fallen off. The Bengals record a 34 to 21 win, uh, and uh, Andy Dalton, John, it's, is it safe to say we need to stop doubting him by now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Andy Dalton has been a beast. I think we probably could have brought this up last week, but, uh, <clears throat> sorry about that, guys. <laughs> <Missed that one. laughs> I mean, on the same respect, uh, so is Tyler Eifert. I mean, how big has Eifert been at that tight end position, though? Oh my goodness! It, that's exactly the thing. You know, they've got players coming out of nowhere that are making huge, huge plays. Um, I think every every unit, every team is making contributions. Why is Andy Dalton so good? Well, obviously he's improved, but. His O-line has looked unbelievable. The guys who are catching the balls, whether it's wide receivers, whether it's Tyler Eifert, whether it's running backs making plays, whether it's Marvin Jones, for another guy that's come out of nowhere. Um, amazing. Every, everybody in, in, the, in the franchise is performing beyond themselves. And if they win next week... That have done something that no Bengals team has ever done, and that's win seven consecutive games. Did you see that touchdown today? By the way, just out of curiosity, which one? Uh, the the like uses his hand to extend himself into the end zone. Yeah. Oh my god, that that's that's the kind of thing that football fans dream of. That's what we live for. Is, is, is that kind of you know a full one hundred percent one hundred percent effort touchdown? I mean, oh my goodness gracious! I saw that highlight for the first time just on a replay, and I was just like, "Oh, how did I not watch that game?" <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty impressive. Yeah, and you want to see more impact plays like that. And if you want, if you want, that's what you want from your games. Then watch more of Cincinnati. Honestly, incredible. 
absolutely, absolutely. Didn't think we'd be saying that at the beginning of the year, but you know that's how uh, that's how the NFL is at times. Uh, and I, I think you bring up a good point. You know, we always talk about Andy Dalton and his receivers, but I think that there's an interesting little pairing uh, in the you know in the backfield between Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard. Uh, I know that. I, at the beginning of the season, I thought it would be a little bit flipped where Bernard would be getting the majority of the carries, but Hill would score more touchdowns. And it seems to be the opposite. Uh, you know, Hill had a great start to the season, um, and he seems to have petered off just a smidge. Uh, but Bernard gets eight carries, you know, 40 some odd yards and a touchdown. I mean, that's the kind of, if you're going to run with a two running back tandem, then you need to have that sort of, you know, okay, well, if this guy doesn't work out, then this guy's going to perform. Uh, kind of pairing. Um, you do, but it's funny because Jeremy Hill ran for twice as many touches, but pretty much the same yardage. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have one guy who's putting his head down and boshing his way through the O-line, and you have another guy who's who's basically doing half the work, if you like, not in an effort sense, but in a in a touches sense, but being more effective. Because he's got the energy, because you've not sapped him by giving him 16 carries or whatever it is, right? So, again, can't emphasize enough, if you have a double-headed rushing attack, it makes you way more of a threat. Add to the fact that Cincinnati have got wide receivers who are coming out and making plays, and Marvin Jones, right? Nine receptions, 95 yards, touchdown. His long was 42. I mean, A.J. Green is the name on this on this list, but he only took four for 36. So... You know, I fear the Bengals. (laughs) Definitely, definitely. Well, and I think that that's, uh, you know, before we move on to a a quick touch on the Bills, I think that 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 point right there is is proof proof in the pudding, so to speak, of how uh, A.J. Green, or excuse me, of how Andy Dalton has has progressed uh, since last year. you know, last year when the Bengals had a good performance, AJ Green puts up over a hundred yards. He has, you know, eight plus receptions. Um, you know, and, and they and they come out with a good win. Uh, but this time, you know, when a, you know AJ Green has a bit of a quiet game, but the the Bengals win resoundingly. Marvin Jones has a touchdown. Uh, Tyler Eifert has a touchdown, and you see Andy Dalton working through his progressions and making the right throws. Uh, you know, as a, as a Bengals fan, that's the only thing that you you could ask for at the moment is that this sort of hot and cold guy just gets hot and he stays hot and he's calm while he's doing it. Uh, you know, that to me, I think, is the biggest signal for for the Bengals' success right now is just you know Dalton's grown as a quarterback, which is, I mean, just right now it's ecstatic football to watch. Well, it's the biggest thing, biggest criticism everybody gave him last season that he was terrible under pressure. He kept making bad decisions when it mattered the most. He's obviously gone away and changed that completely, and that's not something many quarterbacks can say they've done so clinically in uh, in one season. So quickly and so quickly. Well, and moving on to Buffalo, you know, we're talking about this sort of solidity at the quarterback position for the Bengals. But uh, again, the, the the quarterback situation, as we've been talking about for the past six weeks, is a bit up in the air for the Bills. You know, EJ Manuel comes out, gets the start, and stays in. And it's, you know, uh, all of a sudden, I'm starting to wonder between between Manuel, between Tyrod Taylor. It's almost a question of who to throw to, I think, uh, at this point. You know, you've got Sammy Watkins, but, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, Watkins goes out and he gets his touchdown today. It was a good ball. It was a good catch. But at the same time, you look at the rest of that receiving core and you wonder, you know, uh, what if, what if, what if a guy like Tyrod Taylor had, uh, AJ Green and Marvin Jones? What if a guy like, you know, EJ Manuel had those same players? Um, do you think the biggest problem at this point goes has to be placed on the quarterbacks at the Bills, or is it the receiving core? I don't know. I think there's still some names in that receiving core. Charles Clay is, is not to be underestimated. Um, Sammy Watkins is obviously another guy. Robert Woods can, can can step up. Obviously, it's not the same caliber as Cincinnati, but there are some names that I would say that the bigger issue is, is the quarterback position at the moment. EJ Manuel never really liked his ability to throw the ball. Um, I think he overthrows a lot. Doesn't necessarily give the receiver the greatest job or the opportunity to make a play um, the advantage of Tyrod Taylor is that he can also improvise with his feet uh, with his legs and I don't think EJ Manuel does that 
he doesn't necessarily have the ability to to lead a side, Ejo Manuel. Another ugly pick he threw in this one. I think out of the two, there there is definitely more of an issue on the QB position. That being said, Sammy Watkins takes a touchdown and then goes off because his ankle turns in the end zone. So if Sammy Watkins is injured, and that's always a question mark, we know he's a bit flaky sometimes. If he's out, then yeah, then you really have got some big problems. I mean, Percy Harvin, when's he back? You know, I, I think there are some question marks over the receiving core, of course, but the fact that the Bills are 3-3, three and three, it shows you exactly the, the issue that they have. They're a, a team with a lot of potential, but they're just not fulfilling it right now. Well, and speaking with a team that has a lot of potential and is filling it right now, which uh, to a certain extent is kind of surprising, especially with all the the recent turmoil, uh, is the Miami Dolphins. Uh, you know, they go away up to Tennessee and absolutely batter them 38 to 10. Uh, you know, when Ken Wisenhunt comes out after the uh, Marcus Mariota hit, uh, he called it uh, a bunch of BS. That's BS football. Clearly it was... Uh, it was intended to injure our quarterback, um, and to a certain, you know, looking looking at the other results in the league, which we'll get to, we'll get to later. Uh, you know, this was kind of a week of, uh, of a little bit of BS football, um, but you know, the Dolphins come out. Tannehill is pretty clinical. The the Dolphins defense steps up huge, and they come away with a bashing of the Tennessee Titans. Uh, are they riding high right now with the with the appointment of their new head coach? I think their defense is. I still think their offense is rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. They they did finally record their first rushing touchdown. One from I believe one was from Tannehill, and then another from uh, Lamar Miller. So that has to be at least a little little exciting. Um, it was Landry. Landry rushed for the other one, but. Mm. Um, I uh, I don't know how to feel about the Dolphins. You know, we talked about them last week. I obviously don't like Ryan Tannehill, um, as most people won't. But the guy obviously two TDs. You know, they win the game. They need forty points, but that's not really his his doing. I don't think. Um, Cameron Wake had. Four sacks. Huge day. Huge day. He was a monster. And you know the interesting thing about this is that when you look at the the Dolphins' defensive performance, uh, Mdonna and Sue isn't even in it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It. 
Uh, and that's the funny thing. The, the Dolphins' defense, right? Get this. Six sacks in total, two picks, two fumbles recovered, and they only allowed 10 points. Hard to suggest that that was an offensive win for the Dolphins. Right, even with 38 points. Even with 38 points. I mean, two fumble recoveries and two interceptions and six sacks. That's the kind of pressure that turns the game. Obviously, you've got to give some credit to to Miami for for making it happen on the offensive side of the ball and scoring two TDs there. And also Lamar Miller puts over 100 yards uh, with 19 carries when he rushes the ball, so they finally got that going. But uh, Tannehill was more accurate, but I, but he still threw two picks, and he still threw two very, very ugly picks. Like, it's not to be underestimated. Um <sighs> I just find it hard to see the offensive side of the ball as a complete side of the ball. I think they're a long way away from being where they need to be. But as so long as this defensive set continues to play the way they're playing, then unbelievable. You know, you got, it sounds crazy considering the amount of money that they spent on him, but I think Umdana and Sue made one, one tackle. Yeah, he was almost non-existent today. Now, I will say, when the pressure is coming from elsewhere, it's uh, it, it's tough to it, it's it's tough to indict him for it. But at the same time, this is this is and Sue that we're talking about. You know, a guy like Cameron Wake is a great defensive player, but Sue should be in at least half the action that uh, a guy like Cameron Wake should be in, just based on the caliber of his the caliber of his past, the caliber of his of his personality. You know, definitely. Definitely. I mean, you can't spend, was it, $90 million on a defensive player and, and not have him performing at the same level that Cameron Wake is at the moment. I mean, hey, Cameron Wake uh, shut up a lot of people with his performance this week. All, all eyes will be on whether he can do it next week. But, yeah, I mean, if the Dolphins' defense continues to, to play this way, then they might be all right. But they're two and three. So it does show you that a bit like the Bills, there are some pieces there, but there's not much organization. Well, I suppose the only positive of Sue not being in on much of the action is that the less action that Sue is in on, uh, the less stamping that he can do and get in trouble for. Um, So, you know, maybe it's not so bad for the Dolphins organization as a whole. (laughs) No, that's true. (laughs) I just think they need to solve the... uh, the the Tannehill issues maybe maybe Dan Campbell's already done that but uh, obviously put it together and were mature enough to deliver a good performance but I still think that there are some issues yeah definitely definitely so the only other thing that I have to say about this game in particular is uh, you know, Marcus Mariota is, is, is scheduled for an MRI. I believe it's on Wednesday after a hit from uh, Oliver Vernon, uh, very, very low in the knee. And again, I touched on it a little bit at the beginning with, uh, with, with Wisenhun's comment, but, uh, my question for you, uh, isn't have, doesn't have to do with the play itself, but for the Tennessee Titans season. Obviously, uh, it's not all, you know, uh, shining bright as it was at the beginning of the season with the first game or so. Um, but at the same time, you lose a guy like Mario, and there's not much left. Uh, if if this MRI goes poorly, not only for the player but for the organization, uh, how 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 bad is this for the Titans? It, it has to be somewhere between horrible and awful. Well, they won on four, so and they haven't won at home yet. Yeah, so. but Mariota looks so good losing, though. Yeah, he does. <laughs> that's, my, that's my point. You know, like this guy's obviously developing. Um, and he's playing really well, so and he's learning the whole time. So losing that experience opportunity is a big, big problem. And Zach Mettenberger, yeah, yuck, just yuck. So you know, I don't know what I predicted them or if I've predicted their their record this season. But if they lose Mariota, yeah, they're one and four. So it's not been amazing, but at least they're thinking long-term future. QB's getting better and learning with every game. If they don't have him in the pocket, it's not only going to be an ugly score, but it's going to be an ugly future. 
Yeah, and at, at some point you almost you almost it's going to be interesting to see what happens with uh, with the coaching organization there because if they get if they get bad news, then you know what it's bad news. If they get good news, all right, you know what it's good news. But if they get mediocre news, it's going to be interesting to see whether or not they say, all right, we need to get this guy back as quick as possible, or if they decide, you know what, let's just put him on IR and then we'll deal with it whenever he, we know for a fact he's healthy. Yep, definitely. All right, and the last one that we want, I want to go into is, as the Cincinnati Bengals extend their perfect record, so too, very barely and very ugly, uh, did the folks see this? The Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos. We'll touch on the Steelers here in a second. Um, I was just trying to be hopeful for you. But. <laughs> I wish. I wish. Uh, so uh, about this game, my my my. I, whoa, there, Peyton. Uh, wildly Seriously. inconsistent. Many interceptions. Three on the day. Um, Peyton, I, I think I've decided that the 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 sort of questions, the sort of indictment that I had uh, of Andy Dalton that we had of Andy Dalton, might we might need to transfer that same sort of doubt back onto Peyton Manning. He looks good for several weeks straight, uh, and now I mean, throws three interceptions, two to Carlos Dansby, and one to Barkevius Mingo, who only had another tackle, one tackle on the day to his name. I mean, and these are throws over the middle. These are these check down passes that we said at the beginning of the year. You know what? These aren't the throws that Peyton's going to have a problem with. He's going to have a problem with the deep ball. Uh, and it's backwards today. One of his, you know, his one touchdown to Emmanuel Sanders is a 75 yard bomb. The three picks are over the middle. You know, uh, what's going on with Peyton Manning? I mean, what can, what can we even expect out of a guy whose performances are, are, are of this, are of this sort of wild inconsistency? Well, I think we called it at the beginning of the season. I, I think he's done. I mean, I just don't think he's playing the same way. He hasn't got the reaction time. He's starting to make more and more mistakes. And, you know, you're right. Those picks are coming in areas that uh, you can't defend him. You know, if this was a rookie QB, we'd be going off the chain. We'd be like, oh, this guy's not made for the league. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, three picks in a game that, let's be honest, the Browns should have won. Um, you know, Josh McCarron throws two interceptions on two, and two TDs on the Cleveland side of the ball and everyone's saying, Josh McCowan, oh, they should start Johnny Manziel, big issues. Peyton Manning throws three picks and only one TD and everyone's like, oh, well, they won. They're six and zero. It's paying money, right? Right. And and how strange is it that they're that the Denver Broncos are six and zero right now? We've seen three good games out of Peyton. We've seen three poor ones, and yet you know, with a stuttering C.J. Anderson, I mean, how is this team undefeated right now? Well, because other teams can't beat them. Um, it's not so much that. Thank you, John. Thank you. I needed that so much. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean in a, obviously that statement sounds ridiculous, but I mean in a sense that Denver aren't playing well, but other teams are not taking advantage and turning the tide. You know, th this was a, a, a game where the Cleveland Browns defense alone did enough to, to turn them over. And the fact that they they didn't, I mean, Carlos Dunsby's... Um, pick was was insane I mean well, yeah, two, sorry. yes it was uh, <laughs> to, to give the man credit yes it was the, the first one who what was it the first one I think it was the one they ran in like with like I don't know how many seconds left to take the game to oh no to put the Browns ahead I, I think yeah that's his, his second interception was the was the uh, I think it was like a 35 yard touchdown yeah, and it was just incredible. He kept his feet in. Um, I think it was tipped. Anyway, they were they were good enough to win the game for them for the Browns alone. Obviously, we the less we talk about Josh McCown, the better. But from a Peyton perspective, to maybe defend him a little bit, he wasn't helped out by the fact that um, Emmanuel uh, Emmanuel Sanders makes some terrible drops. Horrible I mean, drops. It was a problem whenever he was with the Steelers. It, you can't really defend him either. 
it was really, really bad. And, you know, Manning's probably going bananas at that, but I think there was one play where if they'd made it, they would have been field goal range, it would have been done and dusted, and he drops it. And I mean, on the, the most frustrating thing is that there's another play from Manning where he puts it on a postage stamp, and I think it's Emmanuel Thomas who makes the catch and then, you know, speed bolts into the end zone and bish bosh, you've got your seven. So, right. Uh, the bottom line is, if Manning keeps playing like this, the Denver Broncos will be nothing. Will be the first team out in the playoffs. Interesting, interesting call. We may hear more about some sorts of predictions with the Denver Broncos later, but I don't want to give any hints away. <laughs> so I guess on on the flip side, you know, we we've talked about Peyton, we've talked about the 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 defense. Uh, you know, uh, basically winning the games for them this year. Uh, I guess, I guess my question on, on the other side of this game for the Cleveland Browns, uh, you know, last year it was, it was talked about all the time, you know, oh, the AFC North, every team's got a 500 or better record, yada, yada, yada. This year, uh, not so much, not so much. We'll get to the Baltimore Ravens later, but with Cleveland, I guess, Unless they decide very, very quickly to go with Johnny Manziel, is there any hope for this team at all this year to go? Oh, the you know, to go eight side, eight? defensive side of the ball has has given them plenty of hope, and I think this performance was an example of that. Um, they have playmakers on the defensive side of the ball, but you're right. Um, he, he being Josh McCown. Um, but this was so bad it was almost hilarious I mean very poor yeah he, he I think there was a point in the game where he tried to throw the ball out of bounds but he didn't even throw it out of bounds it was like an incomplete <laughs> I mean um, the lesser of the two McCowns which is exactly not. it's not really saying anything is it um, not anything good anyway yeah it's not like you're in the Skywalker family you know you're in the Mac- <laughs> it's not quite the same <laughs> dominance there um, yeah I think uh, they have to make a decision they have to decide about the future of the franchise and I don't really understand why it is a bit why it is a decision you know, the whole that Josh McCowan gives us a better chance of winning football games is no longer a valid statement right. so make a decision for the future of the team if Manziel doesn't work out, at least you can say you gave him a season. You gave him a real chance. But don't give him three games. It's not fair on the guy. Well, and don't give him three games in which the Browns, they didn't they didn't come off the, the, the victors. I believe it was only once in the first three, but at the same time, the Browns looked exciting, at least a little, you know, under Manziel. Yeah. Definitely, they do, and... Uh, he's aggressive but within the right kind of parameters and you only have to look and see what other teams are trying to do you know obviously the uh, the Titans and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the two teams that come to mind they both picked young QBs in last year's draft they both tried to get an offensive leader on the side of the ball with the defense performing for the Browns there's no reason why they shouldn't do do the same on the offensive side and try and make the teams more of a a complete unit. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, those are the games that we wanted to cover in depth, so I've just got a couple of short statements here um, about the remaining games. Uh, you know, uh, looking at, taking a look at the rest of the league, the Saints beat the Falcons uh, to deal arguably the hottest team uh, their first defeat, uh, one of many who dropped their first, uh, their first game uh, this week. Landry Jones for the Pittsburgh Steelers comes up big after Vic Falls just after halftime. Uh, Martavis Bryant is indeed back as the Steelers stun the Cardinals. Kansas City is still slipping as Minnesota win in crap game of the week. Houston beat Jacksonville. All right, that's where we'll leave that one. Uh, <laughs> Carolina get a big win in, uh, in Seattle as the Seahawks drop to 2-4. And, four. and uh, interesting stat, in each of Seattle's four losses this year, they have blown fourth quarter leads. So we, uh, I have another interesting oh. stat to add to that. Oh, go for it. Not only, not only have they blown fourth quarter leads, but they are 
minus 28 when it comes to points in the fourth quarter this season. Oh, geez. I actually didn't know it was that bad. Even more interesting than that, they're plus 31 in the third quarter. Ugh, yuck. Uh, it's, Seattle have got some things to figure out, that's for sure. Uh, you've also got Aaron Rodgers showing just a little frailty in, in big in a still win uh, over the San Diego Chargers. Hashtag James Jones is back. Uh, San Francisco, they <laughs> yeah, win. Buddy. Kaputnik yeah. channels Colin Kaepernick and uses Torrey Smith's speed to defeat crap Baltimore. Again, a sad indictment of my AFC North. Uh, Tom Brady and Andrew Luck, who uh, at the time of this podcast, uh, the result only came but a few hours ago. Uh, they throw for the exact same yards for the exact same touchdowns. Uh, Luck even goes interceptionless, uh, and Brady throws one himself. And it was a truly close game, but the Patriots simply more clinical uh, in the end zone, specifically uh, in, the Renzo, in the red zone in those final 20 yards. Um, and the New York Giants have yet to play the Eagles. That result will come uh, a little bit later today. Uh, so, any other comments you have about the rest of the games, Mr. Harding? Oh, did we mention your Steelers? Yeah, Landry Jones. Oh, good. Yeah, I was going to say. I don't know why. I just didn't feel like there was enough noise. Uh, I, I tried to keep calm. I tried to keep calm. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where I couldn't believe it. Um, I'm happy about it. I'm glad that Martavis Bryant is back. Um, and I'm starting yeah, I'm just, to... I'm glad you've got a kicker. Yeah, yeah glad I got a I, kicker. Uh, I'm glad we didn't... I, I, don't, I don't like it when any player is hurt. Uh, but at the same time, I was kind of happy about the fact that Landry Jones ended up coming in and not, not shining, but... Well, I certainly over, over through Mike Vick. I mean, the yeah. guy was... Eight of twelve for one six eight and two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. A guy who's never played in the NFL before. Yeah, well, he didn't uh, show very many wide wide eyes. Well, and based on the way that he actually, based on the way that he does his drop back, the way that he, you know, the way that Jones kind of moves, he seems like a natural replacement for Big Ben. Uh, but at the same time, I can understand why the Steelers coaching staff wanted to go with Mike Vick first. Um, perhaps we'll be seeing a little bit more of Landry Jones here very soon. I can't emphasize enough the kicker that Chris Boswell won you the game. Yes, absolutely it was. Four field goals, 28, 47, 48, 51. I hope Scobie is dead somewhere in a ditch, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, please tell me how you feel, Dan. Oh, oh, I sure will. Well, uh, post-pod, I'll tell you exactly how he dies. <laughs> <laughs> I can't have that on air or the cops will come looking for me. Obviously not. All right. <laughs> So, closing in on the very end of this podcast, just like I would like to say always, but I, instead I'll say just like recently, uh, we, we, we've decided to switch our little games, our little fun stuff at the end, uh, from the original pros and cons to predict the record. Now, the main thing to know here is that John has no idea who I'm bringing up. He may have gotten a little bit of a hint earlier because we uh, talked about one of these teams, but uh, he doesn't know what's coming, uh, and his prediction record will indeed stick for the remainder of the season and we'll go back and review his choices at the end of the season and see just how he did so jonathan are you ready for who we have this week i am ready bring it on all right first team for predict the record the denver broncos oh well you mentioned yeah you heavily suggested yeah Yeah, i was very secretive i know (laughs) it would be them um Oh, six and zero record right now. Uh, Peyton Manning's playing really badly, but they're still winning. Going to be in the playoffs anyway, so eleven and five. Actually, a little better than what I was expecting. Yeah, I, I thought it'd be a little bit generous, but then again, like as we said, you know, they haven't been playing brilliantly, but they're still winning. So fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Next one up is the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, this is so difficult. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are they now? Uh, two, two and three, three I think. Two and three. Two and three. Coming off a bye week. Coming off a bye week. So Tony's a little bit closer to throw in. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, I think they'll get it together, but will it be enough? 
Um, nine and seven. All right. Third on this week's Predict the Record. Now, I think you'll have a tougher time with this one. Oh, really? Thanks, yeah. Dale. I think, I think so. Uh, the New Orleans Saints. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this is a fun year for Predict the Record. I feel like Seriously. this is a good idea because I, any of these teams could go absolutely anywhere. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you just got to decide which side of the, of the fence you're on. Well, I'm on the negative side of the fence for New Orleans. I have uh, a funny feeling. So, uh, Yeah, I'm going to be 6 and 10. Ooh, really? Yeah, I know that's not going to be popular with Saints fans, but I just don't see it this year. All right. And last, but perhaps indeed least. Oh, no, don't. The it's not going San to Francisco oh, 49ers. Dylan Baker. <laughs> <sighs> Look oh, better I this said, week. I said at the beginning of the season that we would be lucky to be 8 and 8. Um, based on that fact, after last night, I'm going to say seven and nine. Don't think you can swing six more, eh? I don't. And it's, it hurts me to say that. I know it does. I know we it does. We don't have a complete team. So uh, it's uh, not at the moment. Um, just like a lot of teams in the NFL, we're just not, not putting it all together on the day. Rebuilding years are to be expected, I suppose. They are. I th think the problem is that for a lot of major fans, or major fans, uh, new fans, they're just not used to having to adapt. Fair enough, fair enough. And last but not least, folks, uh, every week what we like to do uh, is, we, since we're hosted by the Anfield Index, uh, a, a almost predominantly uh, soccer podcast series um what we like to do is we like to bridge the gap between the nfl which is what john and i like talking about and soccer which is what apparently everybody else with the infield index likes to talk about so each week we each bring a an nfl team to the table and we compare it to a soccer team from around the world uh you know with myself being uh, predominantly a Premier League fan, uh, with Jonathan doing uh, the majority of his work in the uh, German Bundesliga. Uh, we typically pick from there, but hey, you know, you 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 work with what you know. So, uh, Jonathan, who have you got this week to bring to the table for the NFL to soccer comparisons? Uh, well, I'm I'm actually going to go with the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Um. Unbelievably, they're six and zero. Oh. So you know, I think everybody's surprised about that. And while my soccer comparison isn't exactly having a perfect start, uh, they are having uh, a much better start than most people would have predicted. Uh, and that is why Schalke are my comparison for Cincinnati. Now, before everybody jumps up in surprise and boos and hisses in disapproval. Um, I would say this, both sides, both teams have put their focus on being very offensively strong this season. Um, both sides have uh, an offensive leader that is performing basically for them beyond expectation. Um, Andy Dalton is the QB of the, of the Bengals. Max Meyer is the attacking midfielder for Schalke, obviously. Yeah. Max Meyer doesn't play every game. Andy Dalton does, but Max Meyer is a very young young attacking midfielder who's been fantastic for them and who's basically gone from strength to strength and last week won them the game on his own. So um, there are comparisons there. As I say, there are some, some differences. Uh, Schalke have a new coach. The Bengals don't. Um, and Bengals are perfect. Schalke are not. But Schalke are perfect in a sense because they're third in a league that Bayern and then this year Dortmund at the moment are, are sort of running away with if you like Dortmund only one point ahead of Schalke so Schalke are definitely performing where they want to be performing for the first time in a long time um, 
in terms of cities, that's a little bit difficult. Cincinnati's a obviously I'm sure that America, I haven't I haven't been there, so I can't speak of it. But from what I read, it's in a developing city. But earlier on, and at the beginning, um, the origin of the city, if you like, few industrial links. Schalke is a club based in Gelsenkirchen, which is a very working class city, especially with the mining industry, which is obviously no longer as dominant as it used to be. But there are some very sort of weak strands that compare the two there. But my main reason is the surprising nature of both team starts and the offensive focus of both team starts. So my NFL soccer comparison this week is the Cincinnati Bengals and Schalke Northfield. Yeah, that's an interesting comparison you've got there, John. Uh, I hadn't I hadn't thought about that one before. Well, you know me, trying to bring people together. Mm-hmm. Always outside the box. Well, the one that I want to bring to the table is probably a little more out of left field. Um, so be prepped for this one. Uh, you know, I wanted to take a look at the Atlanta Falcons, another uh, until this week uh, undefeated team. You know, who are sort of. They're sort of overperforming at the moment, and I wanted to take a look at uh, some of the sides that are uh, overperforming in the uh, in the Premier League. Uh, and the one that uh, the one that came to mind immediately was uh, uh, West Ham United, the the Hammers. Really? Yeah. What are your reasons? Well, uh, the first is uh, they've both had to a certain extent the tools for success for uh, a little while now, uh, but they're finally getting it together this season for a good run. Obviously, the Atlanta Falcons have had Matt Ryan for forever. Uh, you know, Julio Jones has been around since 2011. Uh, Devonta Freeman has been here for a couple of years. There are several key players on the defensive side of the ball that have been mainstays. So for West Ham, it's bit, it's less about the players that have been there, especially with the the sort of summer transfer window overhaul that, that went on this season. But they've had a, they've had a style of play, this sort of uh, this sort of defense first, uh, counterattacking style of soccer, um, that for the most part is, is their style of play now. And finally, uh, you know, perhaps it's because they're under a new manager, it's working for them, uh, which is always good to see. They currently find themselves in, in, in fourth place in the table. Uh, for the second season straight, they've started off, uh, in a Champions League spot, uh, the Falcons obviously being one of the top teams in the NFL. The, uh, there are also a couple of players uh, for both teams that are performing at maybe a, a higher level than uh, what the what a team of their sort of stature deserves. For the Atlanta Falcons, I'm thinking specifically of Julio Jones, who is just a monster of a wide receiver. Um, you know, probably deserves to play on a more consistently good team than the Atlanta Falcons, but. Uh, I'm sure he's not thinking about that too much right now since they're performing so well. Uh, on the other side uh, of the pond, I'm thinking also of uh, new signing Dimitri Payet uh, coming over from France for West Ham. He uh, led the he led Un in assists last year, so he's an excellent passer of the ball, has great vision, does well with the ball at his feet, um, and probably deserves to play for, you know, perhaps a more consistent top six, top seven side, uh, but finds himself at West Ham and finds himself uh, performing rather well at the moment. And yeah, last definitely. but not least, they uh, each team has a uh, what I like to call a, a team lifer. Uh, for instance, uh, with the with the Atlanta Falcons, Matt Ryan uh, was drafted in 2008, the third round draft pick overall, and he's been there ever since. Uh, clearly, he's coming to his game. He's very, very solidly established himself as a starter. Uh, and for West Ham, on a slightly more uh, on a slightly less important note, I suppose, uh, you've got a, a guy like Mark Noble. Uh, you know, he's been there his entire career short of two quick loan spells, uh, at the early portion, uh, or the early stages of his career, but he's been there ever since. Uh, he's currently the team captain. He finds himself, uh, in the side most weeks. Um, and to us, you know, to a certain extent, yeah, he's clearly not the best sort of central midfielder with a more defensive tone to him. Uh, that the Premier League has to offer, but I mean, he's he's always there. West Ham are loyal to him, and uh, for the most part, he puts in he he puts in a good performance every week. Uh, so, 
If you are a West Ham fan thinking about getting into the NFL, I would suggest definitely right now taking a look at the Atlanta Falcons. And I think Falcons fans would have a good time uh, watching some West Ham soccer and, uh, you know, getting a kick out of, uh, out of how they're playing right now. I like it. Good work. Good evidence. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so, I guess. All right, folks, this has been uh, the 4th and 5 NFL podcast. First, the red-hot New York Jets take on even hotter New England Patriots uh, in the upcoming week. Uh, it used to never be a question. Patriots win, Patriots win, Patriots win. Uh, but might it be a question next week uh, with the form of the New York Jets? Second, uh, classic rivalry, rivalry, Cowboys at the Giants. Battle for America's team rages on while both sides are Kind of crap right now, indeed. And third, uh, Dan Campbell's first home game against the Texans will see Miami fans going wild for a win. I'm Dylan Baker. I'm Jonathan Harding. And that's the very, very early morning game. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.